0: Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Gregory Ugwe, who is the co-founder and CEO of ThinkNum, one of the more established players in the alternative data world. ThinkNum is a web scraper, and it serves as a conduit for investors and corporates who are interested in exploring all the information that you can find about a company on the internet. This includes data like job postings, employee and customer reviews, and pricing information, amongst a wealth of other possibilities. One housekeeping point, during the conversation, I make the mistake of referring to ThinkNum's media arm as business to businesscom when in fact, it should actually be businessofbusiness.com. I began by asking Greg how he had managed to work his way from one of the less affluent districts in Lagos to Princeton, and then Goldman Sachs.
1: Sure, Mark. Definitely. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. So I'll start like when I was a kid, I, as I said, I grew up in Lagos, in one of in the slums in Lagos, so called like Goan Estate. So it was a pretty tough neighborhood. And then when I was like ten years old, I, I was good at taking tests. So I got a scholarship to go to a really rich boarding school in the capital. And so for vacation during the summer I go back home to the slums and then basically during the school year, nine months out of the year, I hang out with like the richest kids in Nigeria, and they are, some of them are pretty rich. So you spent—I spent a lot of time thinking how do people create wealth. Because, like my parents, they worked hard, they they had, they had a good education, but they just really struggled to make money. And a lot of people I grew up with, very similar. It's just very hard to make money. And a lot of kids I went to school with, their parents, it just seemed easy for them to just create wealth. And then when I went to college, I went to Princeton. It was like more of the same, right? So eventually I sort of came to the conclusion is how a society allocates resources. It really affects how millions of people can make money. If you think of like New York, Tokyo, London, where you have active capital markets, you have an idea or you want to develop a building. If it's a good idea, someone with money can give you money and then you'll get, get them a return and in turn you build wealth. And if you keep doing that, like you can really you know, create wealth for millions of people. Think of China, as they've moved more towards a capitalist state in the last 20 years, they've pulled hundreds of millions of people out of poverty. South Korea, they did the same thing in the 60s. So, in other words, I, I became really fascinated by that. And then after college, I went to work at Goldman, as you said, and Lloyd Blankstein, he, he had a saying. He said, we are doing God's work. And, like, he got crushed in the media because this was, like, around AIDS, the housing crisis. But well, I really believe that. I took that to, I really, in my soul, believe that. Like, you know, capital markets, entrepreneurship, it creates a lot of wealth for a lot of people.
0: Were you, so were you, so this, this story kind of began in Nigeria. Were you were you thinking of, um, you know, how to improve the, ultimately how to improve the situation back there? Or was it, was it just you were attracted to um, economic wealth because you just saw that it, it brought goodness in a way, in, in a broad way?
1: Sure. So my ultimate goal is like I have like a dream where I'm like sitting in a room and like in an accelerator program and I'm funding like 100 startups. And that is that is what I'm ultimately going for. In order to do that, though, like you kind of have to at least in my coming from where I'm coming from, you have to have a win, a significant win. But that is my dream to fund 100 successful startups. So you probably have to fund more than 100. But if if I have 100 successful startups, then I can die happy, man in Nigeria.
0: interesting yeah, yeah yeah wonderful um there's a uh, there's a nice there's a there's a similar story martin wolf who's i 'm sure you know is the great uh, financial Times commentator uh, talks about the reason he got into economics was because he saw what happened i think his parents or or maybe he fled the fled the Nazis and he saw um, world war II as as basically a product of of when economics went wrong, so again he uh, economics as you say it does have a have a negative reputation in some in some circles and and banking, but um a lot of people see it as a as a as a force for good and a, and a force for for positives um, so you got to princeton um and you came out of princeton and 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 um what what did you study at princeton? I studied math fantastic. Um, and so then you came out of there and, and went to uh, and went to join Lloyd Lloyd Blankfein at, at Goldman. So I I just I just I disrupted you as you were saying.
1: Sure. So as, as you said, I studied math, and I, I, I so also give some background. I was a strats at Goldman. So I, you're working with sales and traders, but you're not actually you're not actually taking risk. Actually, someone wrote a book called like he wrote a book about his experience at Goldman, and he called like strats. He called us like fluffers in the porn industry. And anyway, that created a huge uproar. But anyway, we don't take risks. You build models for traders and you help them make better decisions. And I sort of, one thing we realized, that you know, what I needed was data from the web. I wanted to know how home prices is doing in Florida in real time so we can make better decisions or should you invest in this mortgage or that subprime bond or this option optional bond. But nobody was giving us that data. Like Bloomberg and Reuters, they'll give you market data. We really wanted data from the web because economic activity is going online. People are buying homes online, but no one's giving us that data. And my co-founder, who I actually met at college as well, he was in a hedge fund and he ran into a similar problem. So really, we set out to solve this problem of providing a tool that gives investors primarily and operators clean data to make better economic decisions. That's pretty much the problem.
0: So, what year is this that we're talking about, and what did the what did that the alternative data market in this space look like at that point?
1: So this was so we started in two thousand and fourteen, and at that point, at that point, it wasn't really an industry. It was very much like you know, very like sort of few startups. There, there wasn't really the term well defined. For instance, there wouldn't have been like an alternative data podcast, or there will not have been events that people go to industry events. There was no industry and we are sort of just started. So you, really when we were like, when I give like demos to, at that point I used to give demos to like my friends from work. Like it just, it was just bizarre and crazy. Like, like even at Goldman, I go all at for like scraping, for, for like building scrapers. So it seemed very much like, what is this thing? Is it, is it legal? Like, why is this so weird? Like, so it was, it was just weird.
0: And what did your initial, product to look like? Did it look very different to what it looks like today?
1: So I'll say the the thing is it was more complicated. So we like, at least, I, you know, I was primarily responsible product and I made it a lot more complicated than it needed to be. So the, the things we have now, we did have that then, but we had a lot of other things that nobody cared about. So we really focused on like the spreadsheet aspect of it. So our view of our mission of what we're saying at that time for the first 12 months, we believe that people will be doing analysis on our platform and, you know, it's the web, you have cloud computing, blah, 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 and nobody cared about that. They were just using one button to pull in data and they just did not want 99% of our features. They just wanted the data. So we threw everything out once we realized that and we just focused on giving clean data.
0: It's a good moment just to just to lay out exactly what it is that, that ThinkNum does. What is the product right now?
1: So we crawl the web for any data that reflects economic activity. We organize it into data models so it can be queried, and we provide that to our users in an interface on an API. So it's just like, let's say, a search engine, a traditional search engine, but it's organized into data tables. So you get it like a database. And you can, as a user, you can query it, you can filter, you can group by, you can create charts, you can get alerts, or you can just get access to the API.
0: But it's not the I imagine it's not the entire internet. it would be the it would be the corporate internet. it would be all the companies in the internet. It wouldn't be all the you know all the stories that have been written by by
1: you know aspiring authors it's 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 more focused than that, wouldn't it be? Exactly. So it's focused on economic activity moving online and usually when the way the web kind of works, when economic activity moves online, there's usually a company or companies that they control and they model that economic activity so for example if you think of people are are buying and selling homes online there's like open door that will have a database in internally where they list out all the homes and the prices or if you think of people e-commerce you have like amazon or boohoo or you know various um, you know vendors where they structure the data and we're interested in that data pulling it via web scraping and organizing it so if you want to say okay Job listings, who's hiring, we track that. Store locations, who's opening and closing stores, how are product pricing doing, Um, how are employees leaving reviews about a certain employer is doing well or it's not doing well. We collect all of that data and we structure it into data models.
0: It just seems to make sense to me that perhaps the web scraping has remained the same, but would it be the case that over the last um, four years or, or five years, the uh, the sorting, the structuring, the 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 querying uh, process would that have become more complex, or has that remain the same as well?
1: Sure. So, so in other words, I, I'll say like as I said, the initial DNA was there, but over time you are fleshing out functionality. Like for example, if a certain you know, based on talking to users many times, so let's say let's say a specific store goes bankrupt, I, I want to be able to our uh, users want to be able to query and say. Who, who is the competitor that has stores within a one mile radius of this person? So I can, I know they'll get new business or tra- like more. And you remember, economic activity is going online more and more. So now you're seeing like people are buying and selling cars online. That's become very big. And now people want to track specific VIN numbers because it's a permanent ID. So if you track that, you can predict like CarMax revenue to the dollar before they actually announce. So these are sort of newer things people are using it for. So I'll say a couple of things. One is more and more companies are doing economic activity online. And um, two, investors are becoming smarter, and more clever about finding these things and sort of telling us to add them. And finally, we are sort of doing a lot of research and R&D to make it easier and easier to actually use and get insights from the data.
0: Okay. So at this moment, uh, anybody who wants to know about a company for whatever reason can come onto onto ThinkNum's website and search for all sorts of things that that are happening within the company. As you mentioned, things like uh, job listings, whether they're hiring, whether they're firing, uh, the locations of their stores, um, basically anything and prices, which I think is very important for you, anything which is available online on their website you have, um, you also have uh, a history of it as well. How far back do you go and t- uh, now in terms of your data?
1: So most of the datasets go back at least to 2015. Some of them go back to 2014, but most of them go back to, to 2015.
0: Can you give some examples of the types of users who use your data and for what?
1: Sure. So when we first started for like, I'll say for, when we first started getting traction, so for the first year, it was nobody. Then the year after that, it was hedge funds, long-shot equity hedge funds primarily. And they use it to sort of faster signals to so get information. They move fast, like fast money. And then we then banks started using it. So eight of the top 10 banks, they use it in sell-side research. And, you know, after that, like sort of slower money, people started using it, like asset managers. A lot of them, they use it to, they have already made an investment decision, but they want to make sure, like, you know, if employees are saying terrible things on, let's say on Glassdoor and Indeed, they you really need to know for like risk management purposes. And actual corporations has been a growing segment. For, I think in general, but certainly for us in the last year, where like large tech companies, like if I'm, let's say, I'm not gonna name names, but let's say I'm a food delivery company, I want to know restaurants that are listed on my competitor, who did they add in the last quarter, so I can use that for lead gen, or who are the fast growing companies, that I'm targeting. So I want to sell them some ATS software. So yeah, so I'll say in general that is, that has been our path.
0: How much do you see your data as a complement, and how much do you see it as a potential arrestor to the uh, existing data on, for example, a company?
1: Sure. So I'll say for us, the way we sort of think of it is it's almost like in, in investing like data, it's, it's like an arms race. So. When if you just listen to like what you know companies officially report, let's say in the US the SEC in quarterly filings, or like if you just look at stock prices, everybody is getting that. So you need you need to go like one step further to like more deeply understand the company. otherwise how are you going to generate alpha? So that is kind of why we come in. So in many ways as you sort of pointed out, the basics are covered by the company. But the basics are like table stakes. They don't help an investor at all. So most of their focus, like as users adopters, they tend to use us more and more. And our churn tends to be extremely low. It's hard to get people to start using it, but when they start using it, because in our view, if when you're getting, the way we sort of talk about it is this data was never meant for an investor. That's what kind of why it's called alternative data. It's either like a company trying to talk to their consumers. So they are listing out their products and their prices and they're getting reviews or they are trying to talk to their employees, so they are listing out jobs, or their employees are talking to other employees, so they have like glassed up, you know reviews. And then you as an investor are sort of listening and capturing that data. So because it was never meant for you, you have this thing where there isn't spin, so you get deeper, faster, clearer insights in our view. When you, It's kind of like when you observe someone when they don't know you're watching kind of thing, versus if you rely primarily on... Um, you know, earnings calls, like they are always going to spin it to make their company look good. And also everybody else is getting that information. So you are going to find it very, very hard to generate alpha.
0: I saw a example in the news where, um, a journalist, an enterprising journalist had, uh, worked out that Apple was moving into the search engine business. Um, and the way they'd done it was by seeing the Apple, uh, job adverts had started searching looking for someone who was who was good at search could a company use your data to to make that kind of come to that kind of conclusion or or is it very much more quant like quantity based rather than quality in that way
1: sure so so to be perfectly honest i we, we have like for marketing we have like a media arm and they actually wrote about apple search engine using job listings so that is something like we have like three full-time writers and we're growing that team it's called like businessofbusiness.com where they use our data and other information to create content, so to write stories almost exactly like that. So we do write stories like that all the time.
0: I've seen a few, actually, um, of... Ge- I think newspapers have sourced their stories from, as you say, business to businesscom So it's a very nice story generator for for the newspapers. Speaking more on, on, on anecdotes, there's one I really like, uh, which I think your, your business partner has talked about before, um, about WeWork, when you were, when you were uh, based in WeWork. Can you just tell that one quickly?
1: Sure. And it's kind of like, it's a good segue, because that is kind of why we hired professional writers. <laughs> so this was like a disaster that led to that. So we were at WeWork, and we crawled WeWork's internal directory, and we were able to observe how customers join and when they leave. So we were able to predict their churn. So, we wrote up a data driven blog post that talked about how it was not, their churn was very high and their cost of acquiring a user was very high and it was not the business they were describing. And Adam Newman gave us like 45 minutes to get out once he saw the article. So, he got picked up by various places, but we got kicked out of WeWork and then we moved into Regis and eventually we're in our own office now. But that was when we decided, because my co founder wrote that story, we sort of said maybe we should get like professional like writers to do this. I think it's a.
0: I think you're 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 saying it like it was a mistake. I think it's a great story. I think it really shows it shows the the system working. Would you would you do it differently now if you if you had that kind of information on your on your landlord? Do you think? Um,
1: so so no, I, I think I think we certainly would. So that we have to kind of like because you know we we have a media arm. So for instance, like we crawled like you know we, we crawled like reviews on VCs, and one of them happened to have invested in us. And in terms of the worst VCs. And, you know, the media guys were going to write that story and I'm not going to block them just from, like, kind of like a basic, like, honesty thing. Anyway, so so we certainly would. But at that time, like, now if you're saying if I had to go back and do it, I'm, I can tell you, like, we were freaking out because, you know, data was new, so people didn't know, like, how did you get this data? Did you, like, we are trying to explain. We didn't hack anybody. It's on the web and you can, everybody can read it. And also our investors are freaking out because, you know, SoftBank was very powerful then and blah, blah, blah. But... But still it was fun. It's part of the startup. Um, yeah. I'm glad we did it. I think I think you sound very
0: unsettling. You sound like the uh, the psychotherapist who is who's you know treating everyone as a client and, and looking under the surface of everyone they meet. It's it's very un, it can be unsettling to me. Maybe that says more about me actually that I find that unsettling. <laughs> um, anyway, so um and another example was uh uh I just I saw it, I think it was it was less of a less famous, but I saw a um I saw something on Business to Business uh this this year, which was about Quibi, which was that uh, there was an article saying that the amount of Facebook chatter around Quibi is another um for those who don't know, it's another major failure um of the of the year. I mean um a major negative story where a lot of money was going into it and going behind it. And then it, and then it all went wrong, but there was a business, business article I saw where, um, yeah, there'd been a a lack of Facebook chatter or it had gone up and then it had gone down. So potentially, um, the ThinkNum data could have, could have foreseen what was going to come with Quibi.
1: Exactly. So like, yeah, so definitely for like media companies and, you know, consumer products, like, you know, Facebook data is super powerful. And we track that. And our, our writers like to write about it because people kind of like those stories. So yeah, we, we you could clearly see where it was hyped up and it just fell off a cliff. Yeah.
0: Have you got any other of those? I mean, you just said for media data, Facebook is, is very powerful. Obviously, you've got you've got the entire spectrum of companies that you you focus on, and also you have various aspects such as you know job listings. Have you got any other pairs like that? So if it's a a big tech company then this is where we look or if there's a big you know industrials company then this is this is where we look if, uh, any other things that you found out over the years
1: sure so sort of like for b2b software companies like employee reviews are very powerful like let's say like for instance oracle like you know they sell like they sell databases and when essentially when they are making money and business is going well they are going to their AEs and BDRs are going to be earning commission and they're going to say, like, Larry Ellison's a genius. And when sales slow down and they can't meet their quota, you can actually see the words in the employee reviews and they're like, you know, this Oracle is terrible. We're going to get, they're unhappy, you know, and you can sort of see that in real time from employee reviews. So that's one I would say, and, uh, you know, so so I'll say reviews for, so employee reviews for B2B software companies. So I'm just, I haven't sort of thought of this map in that way, but, um, so obviously, like any anything e-commerce, like you're going to be looking at product prices. Like you know, Lululemon when they are discounting, you know, products, then you know that things are probably not going well there. Um, so yeah. obviously, job listings tend to apply across most companies that you, where you don't necessarily get granular data, but at least you get job listing data because internally in any company, when demand is good you're going, the first thing you're going to say, okay, we need to ramp up and we need to get ready. So we need to invest more and you do that by hiring people. So when the company starts internally, so you're sort of getting a sense of how management is seeing their outlook for the next you know, year, for example. So I'll, I'll say those are the examples I'll give.
0: Do you have a, do you have a first port of call cool if you were to come to a, come to a new company, which you knew nothing about?
1: Um. So, so kind of like for me, I'll, I'll definitely look at from first, I'll look at like the employees and go, are they, Ramping up, like on LinkedIn, are they ramping up? Are they hiring more people? Are they giving? Are the employees giving good reviews? Because just more and more companies are about the people, and also, as I said, the planning of if management thinks it's going well, they might they will never tell you I think it's going terribly, but then they will stop hiring, you know, <laughs> and they'll start laying people off before they sort of tell you anything. So that's the first thing, and then the second thing is I actually think of okay, what is the business model of this company? So you start with the questions you have. And that's how we encourage our users to use it. And okay, I know what this company, they sell XYZ widgets. If there are problems, like for instance, let's say this meatless industry. So Beyond Meat, they, they have an innovative product. Now the main thing is are they going to get distribution. Well, I can track all the stores that are picking them up and I can see how that's happening. So then you should look at stores that are picking them up every day and you can see whether they're getting distribution. Versus let's say it's like McDonald's, they already have distribution, but now they're creating a new category where they are trying to sell meatless XYZ. Then you need to see how are the user reviews for that. So I think like like in almost all investing, you should sort of start with a question, understand the business model of the company. I'll give one final example. There is something called like EXP reality. It's reality. I, I probably mispronounced that. But basically they make money when they get agents to join them. And it doesn't really matter whether the agents sell homes or not, real estate agents. The main thing is when the agents join them, they pay some fixed fee. And you can see over time, like how they've been ramping up, there are more and more agents joining them because they list all their agents and when they joined. So in other words, I'll say start with the question in mind, understand what the company does, understand what their competitors is, and there's usually data on the web that reflects that, and then look at that data.
0: Okay. And just, um, just finally, uh, well, just finally on this on this topic, just on the the product itself. Um, I think I've seen you quoted elsewhere as, as saying it's a little bit like a, a kind of a Bloomberg model uh, because if a client gets involved, then in they essentially buy exactly the same product that everyone else, that all the other clients have. So it's kind of like a just a portal into all of your all of your data. Is there any? Is there any? Is that true? And if it is true, are there any plans to create? differentiation and or um, something for more uh, complex customers and something for newbies into the into the sector
1: sure so for, for us in terms of the UI and the sort of our core product that is true that's 100 percent correct if you buy a login you're getting the exact same product everybody else gets it. and secondly the one thing we will say is for the API people can choose to buy specific data sets and that's so that's sort of different for API pricing for us we do think like this is the right way to solve this problem. We do think think of a matrix. On one side you have all the data sets people are interested in. On the other side you have all the different people that are interested in that data set. So our job in the world is to index this core canonical data into like a specific data model that everybody shares. Let's say it costs us $20 to build this index of data but everybody shares it so we can sell it to them for like one dollar. But let's say there are 50 of them so we get some return. So the thing is to make this index good enough for like our most picky clients and also easy enough to use for our most like newbie clients. And if you do that really well, you add value in the world. And if you look back in business history, like you know search engines, or as you mentioned, Bloomberg or Reuters, you sort of want to build that one index and have everybody share the exact same index. When you start making different copies of it and things like that, you start making trade-offs and you start hurting one party and not hurting... So you want to really focus on building that one index. In our view, that's what we want to do.
0: Okay. So uh, some people say that uh, one day in the future, then alternative data will just be called data because it's be- going to become so ubiquitous. So if you may be the alternative Bloomberg right now, then maybe you'll just be the future Bloomberg.
1: <laughs> or maybe Bloomberg will kill us. Who knows? So... <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I said it anyway. Um <laughs> So,
0: uh and in terms of uh so in terms of threats, um one thing which is talked about sometimes with with web scraping as a model is the threat of of regulation. And and here I'm sat in well I'm sat in Europe for another month and a half at least. Um where the GDPR has come in there's much more regulation around uh personal privacy, things like that. Do you feel regulation encroaching on your space? Do you do you see it as a as a incoming threat, or or where where are you with that?
1: Sure. So for us, fundamentally, we do think there actually probably should be more regulation. So in th- the way we sort of think about a, we don't do anything with personal data where you're getting information of a specific person, and we don't do anything where you have to log in. So that's for us where it gets you, you get into GDPR or even like privacy issues. The way we sort of think about it is. Imagine people walking down the middle of Fifth Avenue and you have, you can't decide that this person gets to look at me and that person doesn't get to look at me. As long as you're out there in the public space, like people can look at you, you know, and you don't get to regulate who looks at you and who doesn't. And it's kind of like a bizarre idea to try to do that. So very much on the internet, when you have things on the public web that there is no login required, just the nature of computers is they make copies and copies of data. That's how it moves. Just when you browse some information, it's going to go through multiple copies of the exact same bits of ones and zeros that are going to be passed on. And we just index and store that data. So I, so in other words, I think fundamentally, it's kind of, in my opinion, it's more like people don't really understand what alternative data is doing, certainly from our point of view. Like when search engines first came out, there was a Chinese professor that was calling Sergey Bin and yelling at him that he was just stealing all my information, blah, blah, blah. But today, like you just expect, like, yes, Google indexes publicly available information. That's how the web works. True.
0: True. That makes sense. So as a, as a big picture finish, and we kind of touched on it with, with alternative data turning into data, but what do you see as the, the future of alternative data?
1: So I think, as you sort of mentioned, I actually think it goes away from where people think of it even as data. It's going to be like the tool where if I want to understand companies, of course, this is where I look. So that's what we are trying to build. We're trying to build sort of an insight engine. It could be like on your Siri or Alexa where to suggest things to you. So you, you wake up in the morning and have to tell you the companies that you need to be interested in. It does. It can be you know, pushed to you. It doesn't have to be pulled. So more and more data is going to go on the web. More, like, we do believe over time, like 90% of the economic activity will happen online, and there's going to be an index of that, and companies are going to use that to make better decisions of where should I be opening stores, who should I be hiring, like how should I be moving, what are my competitors doing, investors are going to be using this to make better decisions, and that is going to help the world build better companies and invest in better companies. And ultimately, that's what we're trying to build.
0: Alternative data has been very much uh, made possible by technological uh, advances in the last, in the last 10, 15 years. Is there anything where you can see the technology is holding you back a little bit and you just need the technology to improve and then such and such will be possible or, or is, or do you not see it like that?
1: Oh, certainly. So like the, one of the core problems is how do you build this? without storing all of the internet so in other words how do you like it's 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 kind of like almost like dumb to try to index every like everybody that builds a website like an e-commerce site they're going to have their own databases they they're going to have their own tables where they store information of their products and their prices so how are you going to build one just to store that volume of data you're not going to have to it's just not possible and it's a dumb idea to build it in such a way where you recreate their whole database that that doesn't make sense because it's the the size of the web is infinite so there is we are really running into that problem where you want to store all job listings without storing everybody's ats's table so that's one core thing we're sort of working on and two the second thing is sort of indexing how do we create like anybody can name things differently. So I can call it lat length, you call it latitude, longitude. So how do you, and so now on the web, it's kind of like um, the tower of battle where people just a million different things to say the same thing. So how do you create standardized ways of naming things? So those are two things where we do things like size of data, you don't want to recreate the whole web. It's not possible and, and it will never be possible. So you have to be clever. And then two, like naming things, it's kind of like exponential how people can name things. So we need to have standardized ways of naming things. So those are two things we think about a lot.
0: So for for the first one, it sounds like it's almost maybe a computing power question. So perhaps something like, quantum computing or or something like that as we as we move towards that and for the second one it just sounds like a like uh just a maturity of the market and a and a a kind of cleaning just more more caretakers are around to 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 agree on measurements almost like the kind of you know the meter and the kilogram being decided on how many years ago 200 years ago um so it's this it's just a kind of the second one sounds just like a maturity of the market thing would that be right
1: Yes, yeah, so I'll say yes. So I'll say that's how I think of it. The first one is sort of like many tech people are working on it, like Snowflake, and it's just a question of is is it going to be quantum computing or is there are there just more clever ways to organize like data? Um, and then the second way is it's more like how do you, like if you think of like market data, there are a lot of bodies that we don't think about like QCs or and you remember the usually exchanges that will they will spend a lot of time you know arguing about we should name it this way or that convention, blah blah blah. It turns out to be very important. On the internet, that is not possible. You're not going to get every e-commerce company to, to agree on this is how we name price. So in other words, it's I think it's slightly more complicated, but it's the same thing of having bodies like agree on naming conventions.
0: Excellent. Well, either way, I think the future looks very, very exciting, particularly for Thinknum, which I think is a very, very interesting and exciting company. Greg, thank you very much indeed for joining me today. It's been a very interesting conversation. And um, yeah, I, I, uh, I will be watching your progress with interest.
1: Thank you very much, Mark. It was great chatting with you. And I definitely look forward to how the podcast grows over time.
0: Thanks very much. Take care.